0: Hello. Welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. We are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackray, and I'm hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On July 12, 2022, we talked with Madison Gray, a first-year graduate student at the University of Texas medical branch. She received her bachelor's in biochemistry at Brigham Young University. She is interested in using bioinformatics and AI, as well as field work to discover new therapeutics for pathogenic viruses. Okay, well, um, thanks for talking with us today. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is Madison
1: Gray. That's it. Um, I just graduated from Brigham Young University with my bachelor's in biochemistry, and I'm currently getting my PhD in UTMB inside in um, human transitional um, pathology and um, virology.
0: Yeah, great. Um, and can you tell us um, how you first became interested in sciences and then virology?
1: Um, I'd always wanted to be in the medical field. Little kids want to be vets as they grow up. And it just started getting more fine tuned. Into I was really good at chemistry. And so I went the biochemistry route. And then I realized when I was doing my major that normal chemistry is a little boring. (laughs) It's hard to do research and hard to get super excited about just materials and stuff like that. So then I was really worried. I was worried I'd have to switch my major and stuff like that a couple of years ago. But then uh, I met a professor who, um, he was my molecular biology professor and he did virology stuff. He's actually a bioinformatics professor. And so I was taught how to do bioinformatics. I worked with supercomputers and stuff like that. And then I chose to do um, viruses with that bioinformatics. And ever since then, I've loved it, spoke many conferences with virology. So I got stuck here.
0: Great. And how did you choose, I guess, your PhD institution and then your lab? How did that work out?
1: Um, great question. So I, when I did my viruses and stuff like that, the first virus I faced was Chikigunya virus. So I really liked that one. And that was a BSL-3. And we have a BSL-3 inside BYU. And so as I was getting trained with that, I was like, wow, I really love doing um, arthropod. I love doing mosquito viruses, especially inside like that wonderful band of like Brazil and the tropical areas. I really liked looking into those because those viruses were more direct and they made a lot more sense to me. and it kind of just flowed well. So then I decided I wanted to do BSL-4 stuff as well with Ebola and just keep moving so I could be able to work with anything. And so UTMB was the only school
0: that had a BSL-4. I see. Um, and how then did you end up choosing your lab? So I,
1: when I went to go visit the campus and stuff like that, I scheduled interviews with all of the BSL-4 professors and stuff like that, and asked like, what they were working on, who, had, who, ne- who needed room first off in their labs and stuff like that. And I tried to see who I could receive the most amount of potential with. And so right now I'm currently between two labs of um, one of them is working on the Ebola booster. And then the other one is working on um, monkeys and working with things like Ebola and stuff like that with um, animal models.
0: Oh, I see. So you're still in your first year. You're still choosing your lab. Is that right? Yeah, how exciting. So I guess maybe that's a, a great thing to talk about is how do you choose a good lab other than just, you know, the subject material? Are there other things that you're looking for in a lab?
1: There is. Um, I, I'm a person that I like to do the project on my own. So I'm a, it, I don't really care if there's not too much mentor guidance and stuff like that. But something I really enjoy is doing a lot of in-field work and stuff like that and so it's professors who allow more like um, I'm not going to say trips because there's a lot of because it's in Texas and there's a lot of places where they raise animals and you can go and um, do experiments with them but like I'm free to go to conferences. Conferences are one of my favorite things to do and I, I actually like collaborating with multiple professors. Like when I was at BYU, I would have probably about three professors I would work with just on my single project. So when I do get into a lab, I like to find someone who does collaborations, lets me go and um, go actually to the locations and travel with him if needed. Um, and there's some other things, good funding. I loved, um, being with all my professors and stuff like that but when um, sometimes when professors are starting out with labs or they have a really hard time with funding it can limit projects or can extend them beyond (laughs) beyond time and so I like it when um, there's a clear way of how we can get funding for the project or the project's already been funded so it can go more smoothly.
0: Cool. And can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned that you had done some bioinformatics in undergrad, and now you're thinking about working in a BSL-4 lab. Um, are you thinking about combining those two or those kind of two separate um, fields as it were? I love
1: combining the two. So the bioinformatics that I did was for my virology program and stuff like that is what I do. So it's like infected cells and I do artificial intelligence and simulations and stuff like that to reduce the amount of animal models or amount of cell lines that we have to use. So I can actually take all of the, what I do is I repurpose drugs or viruses that work now. So for the chikungunya virus, and my main project that I'm going to AESV for is I've found drugs that can be repurposed for treatment for the chikungunya virus. So I will look into those and I'll create a simulation based off of how the virus works. And so that could reduce animal models, it can give me more direct pathway and stuff like that, and it can give more data to help out with the FDA approval process.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I guess based on that sort of information, why do any experiments at all? Like what what is the utility of doing the BSL4 work? <laughs>
1: Because as amazing that because when we do the technology and stuff like that, it's impossible to simulate everything that the human body is gonna do or even a mouse body is gonna do. And so when we do the simulation, we use the specific cell line. So for uh Chikugune virus, it's macrophages. We use a specific cell line that will either change because of the infection and stuff like that. So we look where it's gonna the genes are up and down regulated and stuff like that, and we try to get the drug that will like counteract it and normalize it but that doesn't mean that like the drug will go in and affect fibroblast cells or that they will like hinder white blood cells and thicken the blood or you know stuff like that so we still have to use animal models
0: okay great um and then I guess it's a little early on in your career, but are, what are you thinking about for the future? Are you wanting to be sort of an academics or is your goal more industry? Where do you sort of see your PhD taking you?
1: I hope to do what I'm doing now. I hope to work for um, international and because most of my diseases are not inside the U.S., international um, committees and um, research labs and stuff like that to be able to receive samples and to break down what is happening with like new viruses, old viruses and break down what is needed for them and creating therapeutics.
0: Cool, and I guess looking back again, have you always been interested in science? So when you were really young, did you have an interest in science from the beginning or do you have sort of family that were in science?
1: so when my dad was so when I was tiny tiny my dad got super sick was in the hospital for six years and so from that he decided he wanted to become a nurse and so he went back to school when I was in high school and so but he had to go back to school online and my parents are a little computer challenge (laughs) and so he had to ask me for a lot of help to figure out how to submit his papers how to like make PowerPoints and stuff like that, or projects that he needed for class. And so as I did that, and as just as a wonderful parent that he is, I was able to see what it was like to receive a nursing degree. And it was just always wonderful to like, want to help people and stuff like that. But I never really had the guts to become a doctor, like having human lives in my hands seemed a little too daunting for me. And so I wanted to like help people. But not, I don't know how to say this correctly, but not like if I make a mess up that like people will die. So this way I can help people, but kind of up a little bit
0: more of a backseat. A little removed from the direct process. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then I guess, um, What's been the last two and a half years been like as you've sort of been uh, in the pandemic looking towards graduate school? How has sort of that affected your viewpoint about being, being a virologist?
1: It's been, I think one of the most shocking things is how people, once they find out that I am a virologist, is how people have treated me more than how I've been really been interacting is people have been like, I've, it's been weird. Like, it's almost like I've received blame almost. And I'm like, that's, that's weird. Um, but I've also had like the strangest questions come up, which I'm sure a lot of people have had as well. And so it's been really exciting to see how little, so I was part of Brigham Young University does this amazing program called Operation Outbreak. That's been going on for a couple of years is where they simulate an outbreak as it does. And so it's, it, its popularity was increasing. And so I was one of the boards for that when I was there. And we were able to teach the students how much how out of hand an outbreak can get. And how really it's not like how hard it is for policymakers and for healthcare workers and how hard it is for like politicians to really know which direction. Cause students can and reenact the situation and see how their choices can actually cause the pandemic pandemic to get worse or better. And so it's a really good eye opener. And so from like a educating on point, it was really hard because a lot of opportunities for like internships and residencies and stuff like that were shut down. But for a research standpoint, it was amazing because um, we got so much data from it. And a lot of the drugs that I was simulating for the chikungunya virus were actually kind of used in trials for um, COVID. It was really surprising how similar a lot of viruses are and stuff like that. And so I was able to get mountains and papers of data from people who were trying all these different types of drugs and stuff like that. So there's always a positive end.
0: And yeah, what was it like uh, for you personally? So sort of being an undergrad and then um, now um, in, in your first year of graduate school?
1: Um, it was, it was hard because it was weird trying to transition to classes online. And I'm a very, I don't like reading online. I'm not a huge, I like books a lot better and like being in person a lot better. So it was personally a struggle. But then, um, since I was computing and doing a lot of things on computers and stuff like that, we survived still. Um, but yeah, internships were lost. It was hard to like celebrate graduation when it was yeah, everyone had to be separated, but it wasn't too bad.
0: And, and socially, like with your friends and your family, did that, did it have a large impact on that? Um,
1: my dad got super busy and stuff like that, just being a nurse. And so we always had to be, I was a huge mass wear just because he always had to be working. And so I always wanted to make sure I never brought it home to him. Um, cause I did live at home for a little while, um, socially with friends, most of us, most of my friends, at least in my, were from my major. So most of us were pretty compliant with it because we were all science majors. We all kind of understood that the virus was real and it had a lot of backing
0: to it to wear masks and stuff. So actually, is this your first ASV and are you going to be presenting? I am presenting. I'm
1: presenting twice inside of it. Um, I did it last year as well. I believe I do Monday, Tuesday. I'll be doing a speech and a poster, so.
0: Okay, and are, I, are they on the same topic or what's the general topic that you're going to be presenting on? Uh,
1: yes, they're both on the same study from some last year. I did a computational presentation and it's the um, in vitro data from that. So it's on the chikungunya virus and it's on the drug combinations that I tested and um, I've decided would be the best therapeutic for it.
0: Great, and then I guess computationally, I'm just curious, how do you see that going? So uh, even with my work and uh, some of the collaborations we do, you know, people were talking, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, systems biology, it's going to cure everything, you know, we're done with <laughs> experimentation. And I don't think it, it's not quite panned out in the way scientifically, I think that people originally thought. And so I'm just curious for someone who's sort of starting in bioinformatics and using that for sort of understanding virology and cellular processes, where do you see it kind of going? It's a
1: great question. That's actually um, a large reason why I have another lab asking for me to join them is because they want to use the bioinformatics in their um, lab and stuff like that. And so I've, I've received a couple of requests. And so that's kind of helped me know that like what people have been thinking and stuff like that. It's really hard because it's really hard to become, I think the big stop point is it's really hard to become professional in both inside the virology of it because that takes a lot of time and in the super computer part of it because that takes a lot of time as well and so most of the time what will happen is that they'll outsource one or the other and so that's where the clash kind of happens is because um, a lot of at least what I have seen when people have asked me to do things is a lot of computer science people will give great results, great statistics and stuff like that. But then the biologist will be like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like this doesn't like, this isn't really what we wanted. We kind of want a different angle and stuff like that. And so understanding both of them will require a lot of time and a lot of effort, which is really hard for a lot of um, people who've already like become virologists and stuff like that to come back down to a computing level. Uh, what can I see it doing though? Hey, just within my study, like you can take infected cells and create an entire treatment for it. So I think it could do amazing. I also did, um, because I I did biochemistry as my major, not bioinformatics or virology, is that I looked into the um, supercomputers use inside uh, biostructures and predicting protein structures and stuff like that. And that field has properly used computers. Like they can now just by looking at a protein and what it does can completely just tell you where it goes in the body. It's folding like predictions up to 99%. And so I'm hoping to be able to bring that amount of accuracy and that amount of like strategical digital work down to like the virology level the the hard part is you have to find the consistencies in biology, which are very few and far between, but they are there. And so once we will we're able to find the consistencies of the viruses, because they're a lot simpler. So it should be able to we should be able to find the consistencies. Once we can get that, then the computer can be more predictive to the point where I think we can take samples and be able to diagnose treatment and then potential vaccines all within maybe a week period stuff like that.
0: So do you see it though as part of what do they call it individualized medicine or do you see it more pushing advances sort of like um you know a warp a warp drive for many different you know kinds of research like pushing the the fields forward faster or more more informative.
1: I would say the second one more informative stuff like that. The um It'd be great to be able to have individualized medicine, but the whole thing with artificial intelligence is it goes off of consistencies and it goes off of a huge database of knowledge and stuff like that. So finding super specific answers is not usually what AI is used for. It's usually for um, finding general trends and stuff like that and using very in-depth predictive things of like, oh, this is what nature has always shown me.
0: Cool. Well, thanks so much. That was very interesting. Um, So we look forward to uh, hearing about your research at ASV, and good luck in choosing your lab um, for your research. Thank you. This has been Let's Meet the Virologist, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackeray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers or at lmtv.podcast.com.